From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Okay, I put on some sparkle for this show. You probably noticed as a nod to our guest this week who glitters, shines, and definitely sparkles. Poison Waters, also known as Kevin Cook, has a style I can't hope to match, but sequins seem to fit the occasion as Poison, who has performed drag for 35 years, joins us to help kick off the beginning of Pride Month. First, a little about Pride Month. Pride is celebrated in June to honor the Stonewall Riots, an uprising in New York City that began on June 28, 1969, when New York City police raided the Stonewall Inn, a gay club in Greenwich Village. Protests against the raid lasted for six days and served as a catalyst for the gay rights movement around the world. Today, Pride Month, during the month of June, seeks to achieve equal justice and equal opportunity for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning Americans. Our guest, Poison Waters, is a Portland drag artist, one of the country's most well-known drag performers who performs at Darcel 15 Showplace. Poison hosted the memorial service in April for Walter Cole, a.k.a. Darcel 15, who died at the age of 92. And just as Darcel wished, following her death, the show did go on and Poison Waters entertained. Our photographer, Kyle, was there and Poison noticed. My God, you're quite attractive. You're on the wrong side of the camera. What is your name? Kyle. Kyle? Oh, I don't care for that name. Okay, so. Poison also has the honor of serving as Grand Marshal of this weekend's Starlight Parade, one of the Rose Festival's most popular events. The recognition for poison comes at a time drag queens are under attack in many parts of the country. Anti-drag bills have been introduced in at least 14 states. Here to talk about that and much more, welcome my guest, Poison Waters, a.k.a. Kevin Cook. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Good to see you again. You and I co-anchored a show together yes, a few years ago yes. when I didn't have a co-anchor for a few months. So it's <laughs> right. great to have you back. You look marvelous. Thank you. You look fabulous, too. I love your sparkle. Well, inspired by you. Thank I feel you so a little much. bit underdressed. <laughs> oh, not at all. <laughs> so let's talk about Saturday. Okay. Starlight Parade. You are the Grand Marshal. How excited oh, are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I can't even stand it. I've literally been leaning on all my friends and, and supporters to help get me to this point. I have, I have hair done and I have costumes done and it's it, the drop off and the pickup, it's all being handled. I'm like a, a, a frazzled little egg that's ready to crack. Uh, so many people have reached out on social media and phone calls and emails just to say how excited they are to come and support me and I'm just thrilled. So you've got your outfit already. I have the outfit already. I had my final fitting. And it's gonna, it's it's happening. She was telling me a little <laughs> bit about it. It's gonna be dazzling. It's gonna you don't be very exciting. I, I couldn't have gone. You know, you can go big or go home, right? That's what they say. So I'm really excited. Have you been practicing your? I have wave? been doing my wave, and I'll tell you, I was doing it wrong all these years. You know, every every little drag queen always practices waving in a parade, and I've been doing it wrong. Little, you're not supposed to go this way and this way because somebody told me armpits aren't pretty. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I, and so you have to cross body wave this oh. way and this way. So now you know. So I when, didn't. You know, the next that. time you're in a parade, <laughs> cross body wave, that's what they say. <laughs> Let's take a look at the parade route so people okay. know where it's going to be. This Saturday starts at 8 o'clock and it's just on the west side, yeah, right? downtown, yeah. So what does it mean to you to be the Grand Marshal of the Starlight Parade? Well, I tell you, I grew up in Portland, moved here in 1979 at 11 years old, and my family was on the east side. We're over in Park Rose area, very poor, didn't have a lot of opportunities and resources. And so to me, downtown Portland was always this big kind of mystical 
mystical, you know, Wizard of Oz type place that I always wanted to go. I just knew it was calling me. So in marching band in junior high and high school, we got to be in the Starlight Parade. And I thought that was the most fun. It was so cool to see everything lit up and the community just cheering alongside. I've always loved the Rose Festival, every aspect of it, just, you know, for um, a little kid on the east side who grew up not thinking of much of things like that. It always seemed like the annual, oh my gosh, you know, this is so exciting. So I've been in the parade before and I've had wonderful times in the parade and great memories with all Rose Festival events. But to be then recognized for my position in the community and things I've done and in honor of our dear Darcel, who was actually the Grand Marshal about nine, 10 years ago. So. I just love it. It means so much to me, and I'd love, I love. People tell me all the time, "Poison, you should move to a bigger city. You could do this. You could do that in the in the country." But why would I leave Portland? This is my home, so this is perfect. You really, really love it. You yeah. mentioned Darcel. Let's mm -hmm. talk about Darcel, sure. A.K.A. Walter Cole. You were very close, good yeah. friends. He was your mentor. I'm yeah. so sorry for your loss. Thank it you must so have been much. very difficult. It, it was one of the most difficult times of my life, and still continues to be. But you know, having Darcel mentor me and teach me um, all there is to know about. Um, drag and performing in business and you know Darcel taught me how to be a person not just a personality and he uh showed me how to carry on in the face of you know adverse um, situations and his passing was one of those things that he had prepared us all for at the club um, unknowingly or knowingly it was nothing we ever talked about but every lesson he taught me about um, the club and in our community and how we interact with the audience and people prepared myself personally and the rest of our cast and crew for his passing. Well, Darcel 15 Show Place is the longest running drag show on the West Coast. Darcel was recognized by the Guinness Book <laughs> of World Records, <laughs> crowned as the oldest drag queen. That was in 2016. Yeah, so at 92, he was the oldest living, working drag queen. And Darcel really was a champion, an early champion of LGBTQ rights, a pioneering entertainer. What did Darcel mean? What does Darcel mean to the LGBTQ community? Well, you know, Darcel, um, as you said, it paved the way. And unknowingly, uh, not, this, none of it was intentional. Darcel was just being his true authentic self, saying, I'm going to open this bar downtown. I'm going to entertain people. I'm going to dress in drag. This is what this is what his calling was. This is what he wanted to do. And he inspired so many others to follow in his footsteps. So without purposefully going out, it wasn't holding a sign and banging on doors and saying, you know, you know, rights for our community. Um, just being your true self, doing what you're called to do and what your heart tells you to do is kind of a protest in its own. And so Darcel, just regardless of what was happening in the political arena, what was happening right outside the doors in Old Town, never, never wavered, never considered closing this, the shop, never considered backing down from anything, just kept going forward. And so I think gave myself the whole drag community and the larger Portland community a great lesson that you know you just you just carry on he was 56 years in that same spot is where the club is and so you that's that's not not a lot of places in Portland could do that as you know right now um, it's so he he just carried on he carried on and and taught us all the lesson to do so and the, the building the, the club's actually on the historic register right yeah it is the club which is in part of a larger block of building our club itself is um, recently added to the national register of historic places which is really exciting his home was too a couple of years ago added to that so their just made it you know nationally 
Yeah. What is the best piece of advice that Darcel ever gave you? Well, I will tell you, it sounds so simple, but he said, be kind. And he said it to me when we first met. I was a teenager and I was kind of a snippy little thing, you know, running the streets in the 80s. And Darcel, you know, saw something in me and said, you know, I want you to come work for me and we're going to build this together. And just always said, you know, be kind, be nice. And I was always a little, you know, rambunctious, maybe a little. I don't know, full of myself. And literally up until um, throughout our whole career, every now and again, he'd remind me, you know, be kind, be nice. And I've, I always hear that in my in in my head, his voice in my head. And the, the week he passed away, we spent, um, each all of us were there together with Darcel the week, each day in the hospital. And one of the last things he said, he said, please, don't let them forget me, which no one ever could. And he said, please keep it going, meaning the club, which of course we intend to do. And then he squeezed my hand again and he said, be kind. So for 35 years, he's been telling me to be kind. I guess I should start. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're kind and that's good yeah. advice, I think, for all of us, it's especially in, in these times. Exactly. It's so simple, but it's so true. I think a lot of people watching may never have been to Darcel's show plays, Darcel 15, or to a drag show. Can you describe for us what a drag show is like for people who've never been? Sure, Darcel's is so fantastic. You know, there's a lot of clubs and a lot of restaurants and hotels and bars that do drag kind of, I'll say, pop-ups. Well, Darcel's, if the doors are open, we're having a drag show. That's what we do. And um, Darcel was so smart that, you know, 50-some years ago, too, Think of it as a theater. Darcel came from a theater background, so our club is built like a theater. There's a stage and curtains and dress room and backstage. The audience comes in, you're seated in theater seating, rows of chairs, you watch a 90-minute show, and then you leave. It's not like a, a traditional bar where you hang around and drink and socialize. It's not that sort of a thing. So imagine if you're going to a Broadway show or the opera or the ballet. It's the same scenario, except we're all in drag on stage. And so our show is a majority lip sync performances, choreographed dances, with groups or singles, individuals, and everybody's dressed as flamboyantly as we can. Darcel made many, many of the costumes that are still used in the show at the club, and every performer is different. We have a cast of seven right now, and all seven are completely different, so our audience always says there's a little something for everybody. Is there audience interaction? There is, you know, uh, again, a lesson from Darcel's how to, how to meet people where they are, you know, make it a, a safe space. And when people say that, it doesn't just mean a safe space for LGBTQ community. We have, you know, um, a Midwestern fella who's there visiting maybe his gay brother or his gay child. So we need to make it safe for them and f let them feel comfortable too. You know, we want everybody to feel seen and supported. So we are on the microphone telling jokes and interviewing people, where are you from? What's your birthday celebration? That sort of thing. And then also some of the performances with audience consent. You know, you can, if you put a hand out, you want to come up on stage and dance with one of the performers. It's all very simple. It's practically Disneyland, <laughs> but with cocktails. <laughs> well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there are a lot of states who are passing anti-drag laws, and I want to talk about some of those and get your reaction. In February, Tennessee became the first state to explicitly ban drag shows in public places. So they didn't ban drag shows altogether, but in public places, a number of other states are considering similar legislation. They prohibit what they call adult cabaret performances where minors could watch in public places. So what effect does, does that kind of law and these laws that are being considered have on the LGBTQ community, do you think? Well, it, it is terrible, first of all, I have to say personally. And the interesting part about those laws and what's happening in other parts of the country is that it's not affecting us here, which makes us feel, you know, a little guilty that, you know, 
why are why is it happening over there to these folks? But over here in the Pacific Northwest, drag is actually celebrated, of course, with the help of Darcel, with the help of the club, with the help of our um, political climate in the Pacific Northwest. We're celebrated and honored and invited to be a part of all sorts of things. No one um, even suggests that they shut down any of the things that we're doing. So our community, um, we in the Pacific Northwest have seen an onslaught of support. We had ourselves just this last weekend, there are people from Tennessee, from Florida, from Texas, from these states. They're like, we're visiting, we have a vacation. We wanted to come to Oregon. We heard that this is where, you know, drag is great. So they come specifically for that, which is really just wonderful. What we feel is that those laws are trying to push back, take us back. You know, we'll, we say the phrase, going back in the closet. To say that drag shouldn't be in public, well, that's where it used to be, underground in basements, nobody knew about it. Well, now through all the hard work of all of the um, mentors and all of the heroes in our past that helped bring us to where we are today, why would we then want to throw all their work out the window and go backwards? We're not ready to do that, and I don't think we will. Um, the folks in the other parts of the country, I do feel terrible for the other drag performers. This is what we do we perform we're out in public we're out engaging with audiences that choose to engage with us the the misconception is that drag queens are just running amok forcing ourselves into schools and churches and libraries and that's just not the case we're going where we're invited and no one's required to come to the show so folks that want to participate come to participate and it's all fine <laughs> Well, there are some conservative critics of drag queens who claim that the art form sexually grooms children. How would you respond to those claims? I think that's the most bizarre thing because the folks that are saying that are the ones that have put that in their mind and put it out in the universe. I, no drag queen I ever met thought there was, there's nothing sexy about this, Laurel. This is the most uncomfortable I ever am. <laughs> there's, there's nothing, I don't think, appealing about any of this in that way. It's just the furthest thing from any of our mind. We're, you know, characters, we're like clowns. We, you know, we're here to have fun. We want to educate people, entertain people, embrace people, um, you know, where they're coming from, what their their pain, their their journey. People um, come to drag shows for that reason, for that purpose, to just kind of let go of their problems, let go of their issues. The 90% of our events are adults only, just because we're performing in bars or performing in places that children are allowed. Drag was never we're not, it's not this big master plan. Oh my gosh, we can't wait to go perform for children. That's just wacky. I don't even, the people who think that are the ones that are, you know, accusing. So I'm like, well, wait, why, where did you even come up with that? You came up with that. We didn't come up with that. And so um, the, the events that we do for all age audiences, you know, I think Drag Queen Storytime is fantastic. There's so many beautifully, wonderfully well-written books specifically for children that are about acceptance, about diversity, about live and let live. And that's where the drag queens reading those stories, people are like, oh my gosh, that's sexualizing. There's zero, zero sexuality going on with any of that stuff. So yeah, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to respond to those folks or combat those folks because it's just mind-boggling well you, you mentioned that we're not really impacted here in the northwest but there have been some cancellations some vandalism i just want to mention that and get your reaction that even in portland even though we don't have anti-drag laws an after-school pride event a couple of weeks ago was canceled at an elementary school after threats and intimidation some things on social media mentioned a drag show and also used some anti-lgbtq rhetoric like grooming then we saw vandalism at heathen brewing in vancouver um, where they were going to have a brunch a benefit brunch a drag brunch it was unclear if the van 
vandalism was actually connected, but the head chef said that he had received hateful and threatening messages about that drag benefit brunch event. Then you mentioned Drag Queen Story Hour. Last October, a bar in Eugene hosted a Drag Queen Story Hour that drew protesters and counter-protesters, made national headlines after the group started throwing smoke grenades and rocks at each other. And even here, it's affecting us. How do you feel about that and, and the misconceptions that you talk about that people have? Well, it's unfortunate that it's hitting so close to home. And our, our community has always been very supportive and has always been there. Even, you know, the allyship is really strong. Allies, folks that aren't necessarily members of the LGBTQ community, but folks that want to um, support us and have always been there. I think the folks that, you know, are sending hateful, you know, messages on social media, the majority of them aren't even from, don't even live here. You know, I, I feel terrible. The folks in Eugene had to cancel their thing. The, the groups that I'm working with to combat that, to, our answer to that is to keep moving forward. And one of the so, things you're doing is having a dragathon. Yes, Wild we're, having, we're having a dragathon. Is, um, partnering with Darcel 15 Showplace. Yes. Tell us about the dragathon. Yeah, our wonderful friends at Wild Fang, the amazing clothing company, they um, had the great idea to help raise $250,000 for the Trevor Project, which does wonderful work for the LGBTQ youth um, in suicide prevention and mental health. And to kind of just, you know, groups are saying no more drag, ban drag. So our answer is let's give more drag. So we're going to have 48 hours of nonstop drag at Darcel 15 with drag queens from all over the country who've been invited to perform. It's going to be a really fantastic thing. It's um, July 10th through 12th, a Monday through a Wednesday, nonstop. I'll probably have a beard by the time we're done, but <laughs> it's going to be worth it. It's going to be really great. Well, we look forward to that. Poison, we're going to take a break right okay. now. But coming up next, we're going to find out more about Kevin Cook, how he found Poison Waters, and how he gives back to the community. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We are sparkling for this week's show as we kick off Pride Month with a very special guest, Portland drag performer Poison Water. So fun to have you here. Thanks. This is great. I'm having a great time. So by day, you're Kevin Cook. That's by right. night, you're Poison Waters. Right. You grew up Kevin Cook in the Park Rose neighborhood. You came here when you were about 11 years old. What was your early life like and how did you discover Poison Waters? Well, my early life, as I said, was in Park Rose with my family and, you know, with limited resources and opportunities. We just lived in Park Rose. You know, to me, downtown Portland was miles away. There was no reason to even go to Southeast Portland or any of these other places. And when I graduated high school, was the same year that the Mac started running from Gateway to downtown. And so I could take a bus from where I lived. I've never driven. Did you know that, Laurel? No, I've I never had a car. I've never had a license. I've never driven. And so I would take the bus to Gateway and hop on the Max, which was this magical train that zipped me to downtown Portland, and there I was. So this is the late 80s when, you know, Pioneer Square was full of mohawks and, and wild color hairs, and it was just so fun. It was just a lively, you know, the 80s were so fun. And um, so I started going to um, an underage, you know, all-age nightclub that was called the City Nightclub, and it was, it was a, a gay nightclub, but really everybody came from all, you know, back then everybody was just mixed together. And um, they started having these drag shows at midnight, and I didn't really like 
like I'm because I'm like I want to, I want to dance to the music you know as the 80s and and Taylor Dane and Madonna and Michael Jackson Whitney Houston so I wanted to dance and they would make us stop dancing because they had to do a drag show at midnight and so we had to sit on the floor and I was like I don't like that because I'm a Virgo and anal retainer so anyway <laughs> so we watched these shows and it was you know teenagers like myself and they were dressed like in their sister's clothes or whatever so I was like okay whatever well then one night they had special guests drag performers and it opened the curtain and there were four beautiful black drag queens all dressed in white sparkle sequin and pearls and everything and that's when the light bulb went off I'd never seen a black drag queen before so it didn't mean anything to me so as soon as I saw that and I saw the glitz and the glamour I'm like oh wait this is a whole nother ballgame so that's what sparked me and I be immediately became friends with all four of those people they didn't know me from the wall and they were older they worked at embers and ourselves and I just made them be my I was like the little puppy just yapping at their ankles until they helped do this to me <laughs> Well, a lot of people may be wondering, because you are Kevin Cook by day and Poison Waters by night, what pronouns do we use? Well, you know, it's interesting. Darcella used to joke, because we would say, you know, we're from before pronouns. Back then, we were just so thankful anybody was referring to us at all. But, you know, in the, the, there's a big difference between drag queens and the trans community. So in the trans community, it's so important, you know, to be um, addressed as who you are and who you um who just really who you are never mind what you're um what you're presenting how you appear it's who you are inside for me i'm he she they they call me kevin when i'm in drag they call me poison when i'm out of drag to me it just doesn't matter because that's not that's not an important thing for me personally but i think um you know the the pronouns are, are hot topic now and people are still finding their way and I think as long as everyone on both sides is respectful folks that you know maybe have changed their pronoun and then they have to give a little grace and patience to their friends and family and then folks that are on the other side if somebody tells you hey this is my pronoun and it's not really what you're what you were thinking well that's not it's not up to you it's up mm -hmm. to the you have to kind of respect the person so it goes both ways of respect and kindness on both sides well as kevin cook and as poison waters yeah. you really give back a lot to the community as kevin cook you're really involved with camp kc we have a few photos tell us about that so camp kc is a week-long summer camp for children ages 5 to 15 whose lives are affected by hiv and aids and i first started volunteering in 1988 for cascade aids project um, at the height of the AIDS epidemic in our town, and I just didn't know, you know, why, what, what can I do? You know, I just, growing up, as I said, very low income, we, my family benefited from lots of service, um, social service organizations and programs, so I always remembered that. So as an adult, I could start volunteering for those and kind of in some way give back. And then as people started hiring Poison Waters to be a spokesperson or MC an event, and I could donate when I could or, you know, work when I I can for these organizations and it just it just it was it was a natural transition from receiving the assistance from these groups to help promote them in the community and help garner support and their volunteer um, armies and their um, their financial donors and you're also teaching at Portland Community <laughs> College, the history of drag. Tell us about that. Well, that is so fun. I never thought, you know, during the pandemic, everything was just kind of wacky, right? We're all sitting at home, what are we gonna do? And I got an email from Portland Community College saying we would like you to teach a course on drag history for our community education program. And I thought, oh my gosh, well, I guess I've been living it for, you know, back then it was only 32, 33 years. And the drag history, talk about Darcel in her 90s, 
and other friends from that era that I've known my whole drag career. So I had, I've learned the lessons directly from the people that were there. And then with a little, you know, um, internet research, I found we had drag history um, documented back in 1914 in Portland, drag troupe. So it's been really fun. It's been educational. It's been great to revisit a lot of my friends who have long since passed away and see where they fit into this and present it to. We've sold out the class many, many, many times. We're on again in um, August, the first Sunday in August. Well, I have a feeling a lot of people will be checking out that, yeah, that class. So. We have about 45 seconds okay. left for you to have a, a final thought you'd like to leave with our viewers as we begin Pride Month and, and beat the Starlight Parade Saturday. Well, I'm so thankful um, and appreciative for um, all the opportunities that have come my way. Laurel, everything that's come my way has been uh, a blessing and I've enjoyed it and I just now recognize that and do my best to return it to the community and so that's what I ask people to do to count your blessings and return them out to the community in any way you're able to. And to be kind as Darcel and all kind. of us. Thank you Poison Water so much for joining us. You can catch Poison Waters as Grand Marshal <laughs> leading the Starlight Parade on Saturday night beginning at 8 o'clock. We're just so glad that Poison could join us to give us your insights adding some glitz and glamour <laughs> <laughs> this is the most glamorous straight talk oh, that we've so ever fun. had. I love it. I love it. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you for, for watching me. and for listening to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. Search for KGW Straight Talk. And we're going to see you next week. But because we had so much more we wanted to talk to Poison about, we're going to have a bonus episode of Straight Talk. You can catch it streaming on KGW Plus and on the KGW YouTube channel. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk.